Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast, where this week we do more Alice's Adventures in Wonderland chapters. Keep that the way it is. I go on another nature-based adventure, and we talk about one of my all-time favorite video games that recently got a remake. That's right, this week's episode, we go over a lot of stuff, three brand new chapters of Alice's Adventure in Wonderland. There, I actually said it right. I take a long time incoming trip to Diablo Lake in uh, the Northern Cascade National Park Forest in Washington State. And I talk about my fourth all-time favorite game, which recently got a remake, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX, now available on Switch. And if you enjoy this week's episode and the previous week's episodes, and maybe even next week's episode of The Going Upcast, there's lots of ways in which you can support The Going Upcast. You can go to patreon.com forward slash goingupcast, where you can become a $5 patron and get access to the monthly live streams, or you can go to goingupcast.com forward slash store, where you can buy a mystery book or get a personalized audiobook reading of your choosing. But that's enough shilling on my end. We've got a lot of stuff to cover, but let's get knee deep into adventure. Hey gang, it is I coming to you live once again from my personal motorized carriage. Uh, we are on a bit of an adventure right now. Um, it is the, well not the last adventure I'll be going on for the podcast. Um, well this isn't for the podcast, this is for me. I'm just tangentially also recording it for the podcast. Um, but this is for me and my soul. Um, we are off to Diablo Lake. Not Lake Diablo, Diablo Lake don't really know why it's called that. I'm pretty sure it's called that because it's just a little bit east of the town Diablo, um, which I'm betting is probably a very, 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 very small town. So Diablo Lake is nestled in the Northern Cascade National Park, which is a national park many people forget about. Uh, It's not as glamorous as Yosemite or Yellowstone. It's, you know, it's kind of it's kind of an unknown one, at least for me. Like when I first went to this national park, I didn't even know it was a fucking national park. I just thought it was a state park. This was um the location of where I went for a bachelor party uh, last fall, and when I went camping for the first time. Um, y'all might remember that uh, I went camping and then I woke up at like three in the morning and then I stepped in some animal shit. And I drove for like six hours all the way down to Wild Waves, just absolutely fucking exhausted. Um, But God, what a day that was. Anyway, today I'm not doing a bachelor party. I'm just going to visit a lake that I was tantalizingly close to um, the whole time I was at the bachelor party, but I did not actually make it up there to witness it. So right now it is intermittently going between no rain to a minor drizzle to heavy ass rain mixed with snow. Um, it is. It has been very strange as I've been uh, as I've been driving north. Um, I've got another like fucking 19 miles on the highway before I turn off and start seeing some interesting shit. So anyway, Northern Cascade National Park. Um, it's one of the more unknown ones. I'm very excited to be back amongst its uh, its leaves, leaves, needles, I guess. Um, but it's also important to note that it is one of the few places I've been to in recent months uh, where there is absolutely no cell service. Not a not a drop, not an iota. It is a dead zone. So, gonna have to be real fucking careful because if something happens to me in the dead zone, I can't call for help. So, <laughs> that's something that's in the back of my mind. But it is, um, I'm pretty sure it's a glacial lake um, given how high up in the mountains it is. Um, but like most of the amazing nature in Washington and one of the best parts about Washington is how we embrace the concept, sorry, we embrace the concept of having the ability to have this incredible nature within driving distance and you can drive basically right up to it. My goal is the Diablo Lake Vista viewpoint. That's the goal. Now, if you Google Diablo Lake, you will see pretty much the exact same picture like 60,000 times. All of those pictures were taken from the viewpoint. So I want to take a picture from the viewpoint when the weather is shitty because all of those pictures are when the weather is beautiful. And right now it is raining and the town of Diablo's weather says it's cloudy 
perfect. Hopefully, I can get a picture of this lake, like either through a sheet of rain or in the mist, just something, something different. I'm sick of seeing it when it's all beautiful and sunny. That's all, that's all you find on the internet. So, I'm on a quest for a different goddamn picture. Also, I'll take pictures like along the way as I actually entered the national park because it's gorgeous. And um, I, I like, I feel like I'm fighting for this national park because it's like, sure, it's a national park. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. But fucking like, if I were to list like every national park I've known about, this never would have come up. I didn't know it had existed. I didn't know. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to draw some attention to it because it was fucking beautiful. And there are a bunch of really cute small towns in there. And it's just like, y'all fuckers need to check out this goddamn park. It's huge. It's massive. So yeah, Northern Cascade National Park. Absolutely. Um, hopefully by the end of this podcast, I will have convinced you to take a trip, you know, and wherever, wherever you live. I bet there's a national park within a couple of hours of you that you had no idea was there. Or a state park or a preserve. Nature is incredible. You got you to gotta get out there and check this shit out. Anyway, the weather is picking up, so I'm going to use this to my advantage, get a couple of extra miles under our belt, and you'll hear from me when we enter the National Park. Hello. This is me in the middle of the podcast to talk a little bit about a fairly serious topic. I have no earthly right or background or experience to really talk about because, fuck, I'm not a medical professional. But it's that fucking coronavirus. And it's kind of all over the place right now. And I'm just here to remind you that you should wash your hands. And don't touch your face. And, uh, ever. And, um, you know, don't lick doorknobs. Um, I don't know why everybody's sold out of toilet paper, but, you know, make sure you got the essentials, I guess. Um, I guess everybody's, like, really paranoid that if they have to quarantine, that... They're just gonna be pooping around the clock? Is that it? Is that the fear? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's a thing. It's going around. Just make sure you're staying healthy and happy and taking your vitamin C's and your airborns and the best defense is to just not get sick in the first place. Um, this is advice I did not listen to because I've got a little bit of a sore throat thing going on with some sniffles. Um, relatively certain it's just a normal cold, but who the fuck knows? I'm not dead, so I'll take that as a win. Anyway, <laughs> wash your hands, stay safe, um, avoid crowds, and uh, if you're really not worried about it, pff, this is a real great time to travel because fucking airline tickets and hotel nights are as cheap as can be because people are just canceling trips all over the goddamn place for fear of the coronavirus. So, you know, you want to get away from it for a little bit, now's a real good fucking time to do that. Um, just be safe and don't go to Italy because Italy's got it real bad. Um, also don't go to China because China's got it real bad. Um, and, uh, fucking the Federated States of Micronesia won't let you in their country at all. So you can't go there either. Um, now's a great time to escape into the mountains, which is, a uh, kind of what this whole episode of the podcast is about. But yeah, watch out for that coronavirus. It's, it's a thing. Um, just be smart about it. Don't gargle bleach like some people are doing. That'll kill you. Don't do that. Um, your hand sanitizer needs to be at least 70% alcohol to actually have an effect on the coronavirus. Lysol wipes actually do kill the novel coronavirus. So disinfect all your shit. Uh, that's, that's good general advice. And, um, wear a face mask. Um, because the number one way this shit spreads is through like your spit and sneeze and coughs and stuff. So wear a face mask, even if you're not sick, just to protect yourself. Don't touch your fucking face, and um, you'll be fine. Well, I can't guarantee that, because I'm not a fucking medical professional, but if you're smart about it, and you do everything you can to protect your immune system and stuff like that, should be... Well, you're, you're, t- you're doing all the things you can be. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, so, anyway, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Hello once again, it is I. It is an hour and, like, 20 minutes later in the journey. Uh, than when we originally spoke about the Northern Cascade National Park. I am still about a good 50 minutes away from my final destination, but I am deep in the primordial forest. Primordial forest, rather. Um, it is misty. It is mossy. It is beautiful up here. Um, I haven't seen another car 
about 20 minutes. That includes going in the opposite direction of me. I am very much alone up here, which is uh, kind of what I was searching for, um, just to get away from it all. I have long since gone out of cell service range, so that has uh, become a factor. Um, but the rain has stopped and the blue sky is making an appearance, which, I mean, kind of goes against my desire to get a cloudy picture, but you know what? I'll take it. Um, these trees are insane. Uh, just how fucking moss cover there. I'm going to actually just kind of stop here in the road and uh, take a quick little picture if I can. There we go. Um, yeah, it is. It's crazy cool up here. Um, it's also fucking freezing. It's 36 degrees. Um, there is a snow-capped mountain straight in front of me. Um, oh, there's a car. Hi. Hi, Mr. Car. Where are you going? Oh, you're a big, you're a big truck with a camper, aren't you? And you're gone. Oh, they waved. Oh, I should have waved back. Damn it. Oh well. Anyway, I'm 1.8 miles away from Washington 20 which is the road I need to be on in order to actually like get to where I'm going. So this entire like two hour journey so far has mostly been to get me to this road. Now this road, part of it is closed for the winter because of all the snow. Fortunately for me, the lake I want to go to is just this side of the road closure. So I should be okay. I do not have snow chains. Um, and if I get stuck, I'm kind of fucked. So it should be fine, hopefully, um, as long as I'm not an idiot. But I have not seen any snow on the road this entire time. That being said, there's a fuck ton of snow on the mountain in front of me. So remains to be seen. It is a fucking, it is turning into a gorgeous day. That blue sky is absurd. So I think I made a good call coming up here. Anyway, I got to focus. So I will talk to you all here in a wee little bit. All right, I am exhausted having just basically spent the last uh, fucking 10 hours driving in my car to go into some mountains. We'll talk about that throughout this episode of the podcast. But for right now, let's do the in Wonderland. Chapter 4, the rabbit sends in a little bill. It was the white rabbit trotting slowly back again and looking anxiously about it as it went, as if it had lost something. And sure it muttering itself, the duchess, the duchess, oh my dear balls, oh my fur and whiskers, she'll get me executed as sure as ferrets are ferrets, where can I have dropped them, I wonder? Alice guessed in a moment that it was looking for the fan and the pair of white kid gloves, and she very good-naturedly began hunting about for them, but they were nowhere to be seen. Everything seemed to have changed since her swim in the pool and the great hall with the glass table and the little door had vanished completely. Okay. Very soon, the rabbit noticed Alice as uh, she went hunting about and called out to her in an angry tone. Why, Mary Ann, what are you doing out here? Run home this moment and fetch me a pair of gloves and a fan. Quick now! And Alice was so much frightened that she ran off at once in the direction it pointed to without trying to exp uh, explain the mistake it had made. He took me for his housemaid, she said to herself as she ran. How surprised he'll be when he finds out who I am, but I'd better take, his, uh, take him his fan and gloves, that is, if I can find them. As she said this, she came upon a neat little house on the door of which was a bright brass plate with the name W.R. Rabbit. Yes, engraved upon it. She went in without knocking and hurried upstairs in great fear lest she should meet the real Marianne and be, and be turned out of the house before she had found a fan and gloves. I'm sorry, my brain is not functioning today. I cannot read very well. How queer it seems, Alice said to herself, to be going messages for a rabbit. I suppose Dinah will be sending me on messages next. She, fan, uh, she began fancying the sort of thing that would happen. Miss Alice, come here directly and get ready for your walk. Coming in a minute, Ness, but I've got to watch um, till this mouse hole. Uh, I've got to watch this mouse hole till Dinah comes back, and see that the mouse doesn't get out. Only I don't think Alice went on that they'll let Dinah stop in that house if it began ordering people about like that. That's true. Uh, by this time, she had found her way into a tidy little room with a table and a window on it, um, and on it, as she had hoped, was a fan and two or three pairs of tiny white kid gloves. 
She took up the fan and pair of gloves and was just about to leave the room when her eye fell upon a little bottle that stood near uh, the looking glass. There was no label this time with the words, or drink me, but nevertheless, she uncorked it and put it to her lips. Now, something interesting is sure to happen, uh, she said to herself. And whenever I eat or drink anything, uh, so I'll just see what this bottle does. I do hope it'll make me grow large again, for I'm really I'm quite tired of being such a tiny little thing. It did so indeed, and much sooner than she had expected. Before she had drunk half the bottle, she found her head pressing against the ceiling. Had to stoop to save her neck from being broken. She hastily put the bottle down, saying to herself, That's quite enough. I hope I shan't grow anymore. As it is, I can't get out of the door. I do wish I hadn't drunk quite so much. Alas, it was too late to wish that. She went on growing and growing, and very soon had to kneel down on the floor. In another minute, there was not, um, there was not even room for this. She tried the effect of lying down with one elbow against the door, and the other um, curled around her head. Still, she went on growing, and as a last resource, um, yeah, she put one arm out the window and one foot up the chimney and said to herself, Now I can do no more whatever happens. What will become of me? Luckily for Alice, the little magic bottle had now had its full effect, and she grew no larger, still very uncomfortable, and as there seemed to be no sort of chance of her ever getting out of this room again, no wonder she felt unhappy. It was much pleasanter at home, thought poor Alice, when one wasn't always, um, when one wasn't always growing larger and smaller and being ordered about by mice and rabbits. I almost wish I hadn't gone down that rabbit hole, and yet, and yet it is rather curious, you know, this sort of life. I do wonder what can happen to me. Like when I used to read fairy tales, I fancied this kind of thing uh, never happened. And now here I am in the middle of one. There ought to be a book written about me. That there ought. When I grow up, I'll write one. But I'm grown up now, she added in a sorrowful tone. At least there's no room to grow up any more here. But then, thought Alice, shall I never get any older than I am now? That'll be a comfortable one way. That'll be a comfort. Goddamn. That'll be a comfort one way. Never to be an old woman, but then always to have lessons to learn. Oh, I shouldn't like that. Oh, you foolish Alice, she answered herself. How can you learn lessons here? Why, there's hardly any room for you, and no room at all um, for any lesson books. And so she went on, taking first one side and then the other, making quite a conversation of it all together. But after a few minutes, she heard a voice outside and stopped to listen. Marianne, Marianne, said the voice. Fetch me my gloves this moment. Then came a little pattering of feet on the stairs. Alice knew it was the rabbit coming to look for her, and she trembled until um, she shook the house, quite forgetting that she was now about a thousand times as large as the rabbit and had no reason to be afraid of it. Presently, the rabbit came up the door and tried to open it, but as the door opened inwards and Alice's elbow was pressed hard against it, the attempt proved a failure. Alice heard it uh, say to itself, Then I'll go around and get in a window. Um, that she won't, thought Alice, and after waiting till she fancied she heard the rabbit just under the window, she suddenly spread out her hand and made a snatch in the air. She did not get a hold of anything, but she heard a little shriek and a fall and a crash of broken glass. For when she concluded that it was just possible it had fallen into a cucumber frame or something of the sort. What the fuck is a cucumber frame? I don't even... I'm not looking it up. Y'all can Google that one on your own. <laughs> I'm so fucking tired. Next came an angry voice, the rabbits. Pat, Pat, where are you? And then a voice she had never heard before. Sure then, I'm here digging for apples, your honor. Digging for apples indeed, said the rabbit angrily. Here, yeah, come and help me out of this. Sounds more broken glass. Now tell me, Pat, what is in that window? Sure, it's an arm, your honor. He pronounced it is uh, he pronounced it arm. An arm, I guess. An arm, you goose! Whoever saw one that size, why it fills the whole window. Sure it does, your honor, but it is an arm for all that. Well that's got no business there at any rate. Go and take it away. There was a long silence after this, and Alice could only hear whispers now and then, such as Sure, don't lock it, Your Honor, at all, at all. Do as I tell you, you coward! And at last she spread out her hand again and made another snatch in the air. This time there were two little shrieks and more sounds of broken glass. What a number of cucumber... Uh, what a number of cucumber frames there must be, thought Alice. wonder what they'll do next. Just for pulling me out of the window, I could only wish they could. I'm sure I don't want to stay in here any longer. She waited for something... Uh, fucking, uh, where was it? Oh, God, I scrolled too far. Um, she waited for some time without hearing anything more. At last came a rumbling of little cartwheels and the sound of a good many voices talking all together. She made out words like, Where's the other ladder? Well, I hadn't uh, to bring one, but Bill's got the other. Bill, fetch it here, lad. Here, put them up in this corner. Now, tie them together first. They don't reach half as high yet. Oh, uh, well, they'll do well enough, but don't be particular. Here, Bill, catch hold of this roof. Will the roof, will the roof bear? Mind that loose slate. Oh, it's coming down. Heads below! A loud crash. Now, who did that? It was Bill, I fancy. Who goes down the chimney? Now, I shan't, you do not. Ah, uh, that I want then. Bill's got to go down. Eh, Bill? Master says you got to go down the chimney. Oh, so Bill's got to come down the chimney, has he? Um, said Alice to herself. Why, they seem to be putting everything upon Bill. I wouldn't be in Bill's place for a good deal. The fireplace, um, this fireplace is narrow to be sure. 
but I think I can kick a little. She drew her foot as far down the chimney as she could and waited until she heard a little animal. She couldn't guess uh, what sort, scratching and scrambling about the chimney clothes above her, and then saying to herself, This is Bill. Uh, she gave one sharp kick and waited to see what happened. First thing um, she heard was a general chorus of, There goes Bill! The rabbit's voice alone, Catch him! Catch him, you, by the hedge! Um, then... Silence. Then other confusion of voices. Hold up his head, Brandy now. Don't choke him. How was it, old fellow? What happened to you? Tell us about it. Last came a little feeble squeaking voice. That's Bill, thought Alice. Well, I hardly know. No more, thank you. I'm better now, but I'm a deal too flustered to tell you. All I know is something comes at me like a jack-in-the-box, and I go up and like a skyrocket. So you did, old fellow, said the others. We must burn the house down, said Rabbit's voice, and Alice called as loud as she could. If you do, I'll set Dinah at you. There was dead silence instantly. Alice thought to herself, I wonder what they will do next. They had any sense. They'd take the roof off. After a minute or two, they began um, moving about again, and Alice heard the rabbit say, A bear full will do to begin with. A bear full of what? thought Alice. But she had not long to doubt, for the next moment, a shower of little pebbles came rattling in the window, and some of them hit her in the face. I'll put a stop to this, she said to herself and shouted, You better not do that again! Which produced another dead silence. What is the point of this book? God damn. Alice just seems to be bumbling her way all over the place, getting in, like, everybody's way. Uh, anyway. This is, this is bizarre. Okay. Um, Alice noticed with some surprise that the pebbles were all turning into little cakes as they lay on the floor, and a bright idea came to her head. If I were one of these cakes, she thought, it's sure to make some changes in my size, but as it can't possibly make me larger, it must make me smaller, I suppose. Oh, it can definitely make you larger. So she swallowed one of the cakes and was delighted to find that she began shrinking directly. As soon as she was small enough to get through the door, she ran out of the house and found quite a little crowd of animals and birds waiting outside. Poor little lizard, Bill, was uh, in the middle, being held up by two guinea pigs, who were giving it something out of a bottle. They all made a rush at Alice at the moment she appeared, but she ran off as hard as she could, and soon found herself safe in a thick wood. Okay, sure, fine. You were in a tunnel for the longest time, and then you were in a house, and now you're in a wood. I think this is all just a crazy dream. The first thing I've got to do, said Alice to herself as she wandered about in the wood, is to grow to my right size again. The second thing is to find my way into the lovely garden. I think that would be the best plan. Are her clothes growing and shrinking with her, or is Alice just naked from here on out? Because she definitely, like, that shit would have ripped off of her and fallen off of her as she grew and shrank. So, anyway. It sounded like an excellent plan, no doubt, and very neatly and simply arranged. Well, the difficulty was she had not the smallest idea how to set about it, and while she was peering around anxiously among the trees, a little sharp bark just overhead made her look up in a great hurry. Excuse me. An enormous puppy, looking down at her with large round eyes and feebly stretching out one paw, trying to touch her. Purt a little thing, said Alex in a coaxing tone. Tried hard to whistle to it, but she was terribly frightened at, um, all the time at the thought that it might be hungry, in which case it would be very likely uh, to eat her up in spite of all of her coaxing. Hardly knowing what she did, she picked up a little bit of stick and held it out to the puppy, whereupon the puppy jumped into the air off all of its feet at once with a yelp of delight and rushed at the stick um, and made believe to worry it. Then Alice dodged behind a great thistle to keep herself from being run over, and the moment she appeared on the other side, the puppy made another rush at the stick, tumbled head over heels in its hurry to get a hold of it. Then Alice, thinking it was very like having a game of play with a cart horse and expecting every moment to be trampled under its feet, ran around the thistle again. Then the puppy began a series of short charges at the little stick, running a very little uh, way forward each time and a long way back, barking hoarsely all the while, till at last it sat down a good way off, panting with its tongue hanging out of its mouth and its great eyes half shut. This seemed to Alice a good opportunity for making her escape, so she shut off at once, ran until she was quite tired and out of breath, and until the puppy's bark sounded quite faint in the distance. Yeah, what a dear little puppy it was, said Alice, as she leant against a buttercup to rest herself, and fanned herself with one of the leaves. I should have liked teaching it tricks very much, if if only I had been the right size to do it. Oh dear, I nearly forgotten that I want to grow up again. Let me see, how is it to be managed? Suppose I ought to eat or drink something or other, but the great question is what? How about... The little bottle that said drink me that made you bigger. The one you drank at the beginning of the chapter. I'm trying to determine if Alice is an idiot or not. I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps she's just whimsical. The great question certainly was what? Alice looked around her at all the flowers and blades of grass, but she could not see anything that looked the right thing to eat or drink under the circumstances. There was a large mushroom growing near her, about the same height as herself. When she looked under it and on both sides and behind it, it occurred to her that she might as well look and see what was on top of it. She stretched up on tiptoe and peeped over the edge of the mushroom, and her eyes immediately met those of a large blue caterpillar that was sitting on top of, of 
or sitting on top with his arms folded, quietly smoking a long hookah, and not uh, taking not the smallest notice of her or of anything else, because this caterpillar is super baked. Yeah, it's time for that caterpillar bit. You know the bit with the caterpillar? That, 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 it's time for that now. I'm standing over, oh, I can't remember the name of the river. That's embarrassing. Um, it's the same river I went whitewater rafting down. So it's a big one. Um, you can actually hear the white water um, in the background. I'm on a little like turnout on the highway. Um, the water is obscene in how fucking clear it is. Like you can see probably like 20 feet down. It's a fast moving river too, but you can still see through the water. It's this gorgeous, like, greenish-blue color. Check out my um, Instagram, at goingcast on Instagram, uh, to see pictures of this amazing thing. Uh, there's a waterfall on the other side of the river I got pictures of, and it is, it is just crazy beautiful. It's freezing up here. I've put on my um, fluffy flannel shirt, um, mostly to blend in with the locals. <laughs> so, um, I'm about 18 miles out from Diablo Lake. Um, wow, that was a fucking pileated woodpecker. That thing was huge. That was amazing. Um, sorry, it's a bird. Um, but yeah, I'm almost to New Halem, which is a weird town. Um, there are no gas stations in New Halem. There is an electric vehicle charging point in New Halem. Uh, the closest gas station is about 33 miles behind me. Um, and New Halem is pretty much solely comprised of people that work on the hydroelectric dam at Gorge Lake. Um, it's, it's an interesting town. It consists of like two streets and about 20 odd buildings. Um, but it also has a suspension bridge that leads to a hiking trail full of wonderful cedar trees. So I am gonna pull over New Halem and check that out. Um, but the water is just so fucking clean. I can see a log in like the middle of the river at the bottom of it. And this river is probably a good 200 feet across. If I had to estimate. Um, it would, uh, I would not be able to swim across this thing before I hit the, the rapids, and that would kill me. Um, also, the, <laughs> the water would be so fucking frigid, it would be, it'd be unreal. Um, outside of a couple of birds, I've not seen much nature, but I have also been talking to you for a couple of minutes now, and I also haven't seen a car. So I'm very much appreciating the solitude of being up here. This is definitely an off season. It is definitely an off day. And there's no one here. So I'm gonna head back in the car and drive into New Halem. Chapter five, advice from a caterpillar. The caterpillar and Alice looked at each other for some time in silence. At last, the caterpillar took the hookah out of its mouth and addressed her in a languid, sleepy voice. I mean, I could give her the Snape, I could give the caterpillar the Snape voice, because there was Alan Rickman in the in the remade movie, but I'll just I'll just do what the book says and give him a languid, sleepy voice. Uh, who are you? said the caterpillar. There's not an encouraging opening for a conversation. Alice replied rather shyly, I hardly know, sir. Just a present. At least I know who I was when I got up this morning, but I think I must have been changed several times since then. What do you mean? Uh, by that said the caterpillar sternly. Explain yourself. Damn it. Hey. Can't explain myself, I'm afraid, sir, said Alice, because I'm not myself, you see. I don't see, said the caterpillar. I'm afraid I can't put it much more clearly, said uh, Alice replied very politely, but I can't understand myself to begin with. And being so many different sizes in day is very confusing. It isn't, said the caterpillar. Well, then perhaps you haven't found it so yet, said Alice, but when you have a turn in the chrysalis, you will someday, you know, and I think then that in, um, after that into a butterfly, I should think you'll feel uh, a little bit queer, won't you? Not a bit, said the caterpillar. Perhaps your feelings may be different, said Alice. All I know is it would feel very queer to me. You, said the caterpillar contemptuously. Who are you? Which brought them back uh, again to the beginning of the conversation. Alice felt a little irritated at the caterpillar making such very short remarks. She drew herself up and said very gravely, I think you ought to tell me who you are first. Why? said the caterpillar. Here was another puzzling question. Now, Alice could not think of any good reason, and the caterpillar seemed to be in a very unpleasant state of mind. She turned away. Come back! said the caterpillar, called after. I've got something important to say. 
This sounded promising, certainly. Alice turned back and came back again. Keep your temper, said the caterpillar. Hold on. Ugh. Oh, man. Uh, okay. Is that all? Said Alice, swallowing down her anger as well as she could. No, said the caterpillar. Alice thought she might as well wait as uh, she had nothing else to do, and perhaps after all, it might be, it might tell her something worth hearing. For some minutes, it puffed away without speaking, but at last it unfolded its arms and took the hook out of its mouth again and said, So you think you're changed, do you? I'm afraid I am, sir, said Alice. I can't remember things as I used. As I used. Yep, all right. And I don't keep the same size for ten minutes together. That's because you keep eating and drinking shit, you dumbass. Anyway. Can't remember what things, said the caterpillar. Well, I've tried to say, how doth the little busy bee, but all comes out different. Alice replied in a very melancholy voice. Repeat, your old father William, said the caterpillar. Alice folded her hands and began. Your old father William, the young man said. Your hair has become very white, and yet you incessantly stand on your head. Do you think at your age is it is right? In my youth, Father William replied to his son, I feared it might injure the brain, but now I am perfectly sure I have none. Why, I do it again and again. Next page. You're old, said the youth, as I mentioned before, and have grown most uncommonly fat. Yet you turn a back somersault in at the door. Pray, what was the reason for that? In my youth, said the sage as he shook his gray locks, I keep all the limbs very supple. By the use of this ointment, one shilling a box, allow me to sell you a couple. You're old, said the youth, and your jaws are too weak for anything tougher than suet. Did you finish the goose with the bones and the beak? Pray, how did you manage to do it? In my youth, said his father, I took to the law and argued each case with my wife, and the muscular strength which it gave to my jaw has lasted the rest of my life. You're old, said the youth. One would hardly suppose that your eyes were as steady as ever. Yet you balanced a needle on the end of your nose. What made you so awfully clever? I haven't answered. I have answered three questions, and that is enough," said his father. "Don't give yourself airs. Do you think I can listen all day to such stuff? Be off, or I'll kick you downstairs. That's not quite right, or that's not said right," um, the caterpillar said. "Not quite right, I'm afraid," Alice said timidly. "Some of the words have got altered. It was wrong from beginning to end," said the caterpillar decidedly, and there was silence for some minutes. The caterpillar was the first to speak. "'What size do you want to be?' it asked. "'I'm not particular as to size,' Alice replied hastily. "'Only one doesn't like changing so often, you know.' "'I don't know,' said the caterpillar. Alice said nothing. She had never been uh, so much contradicted in her life before, and she felt that she was losing her temper. Well, yeah. That's fair. "'Are you content now?' said the caterpillar. "'Well, I should like to be a little larger, sir, if you wouldn't mind,' I said Alice. Three inches is such a wretched height to be. It is very good height indeed, said the caterpillar angrily, rearing itself upright as it spoke. It was exactly three inches high. Um, uh, there it is. But I'm not used to it, pleaded poor Alice in a piteous tone. And she thought to herself, I wish the creatures wouldn't be so easily offended. You'll get used to it in time, said the caterpillar. And it put a hookah in its mouth and began smoking again. This time, Alice waited patiently until the, it chose to speak again. In a minute or two, the caterpillar took the hook out of its mouth and yawned once or twice and shook itself. Then it got down off the mushroom and crawled away into the grass, merely remarking as it went, One side will make you grow taller, the other side will make you grow shorter. One side of what? The other side of which? Thought Alice to herself. Of the mushroom, said caterpillar, just as if she had asked it aloud. Another moment, it was out of sight. Alice remained looking thoughtfully at the mushroom for a minute, trying to make out which were uh, the two sides of it. And as it was perfectly round, she found this a very difficult question. However, at last she stretched her arm round a bit as far as it would go, then broke off a bit of the edge with each hand. Now, which is which? She said to herself and nibbled a little of the right hand to try the effect. Next moment, she felt a violent blow underneath her chin. It had struck her foot. She was a great deal frightened by this sudden change, but she felt uh, that there was no time to be lost as she was shrinking rapidly, so she set to work. I want to eat some of the other bit. Her chin pressed so closely against her foot that there was hardly room to open her mouth, but she did at last and managed to swallow a morsel of the left-handed bit. Weird story break of magic. Come, my head's free at last, said Alice in a tone of light, which changed into alarm at another moment when she found that her shoulders were nowhere to be found. All she could see when she looked down was the immense length of neck, which seemed to rise like a stalk out of a sea of grass that lay far below her. 
What can all that green stuff be? said Alice. Well, my shoulders got to. Oh, my poor hands. How is it I, can, I can't see you? And she began moving them about as she spoke, but no result seemed to follow except a little shaking among the distant green leaves. As soon um, as there seemed to be no chance of getting her hands up to her head, she tried to get her head down there. Oh, fuck me. I'm tired. Uh, it was delighted to find that her neck would bend about as easily in any direction like a serpent. She had succeeded, or succeeded, in curving down in a graceful zigzag and was going to dive in among the leaves, which she found uh, to be nothing but the tops of trees under which she had been wandering when a sharp hiss made her draw back and look. A large pigeon had flown in her face was beating her violently with its wings. Serpent! Screamed the pigeon. I'm not a serpent, said Alice indignantly. Leave me alone. Serpent, I say, repeated the pigeon, but in a more subdued tone and added with a kind of sob, I've tried every way and nothing seems to suit them. I have not the least idea what you're talking about, said Alice. I've tried the roots of the trees and I've tried the banks and I've tried the hedges. The pigeon went on without attending to her. But those serpents, there's no pleasing them. Alice was more and more puzzled, but um, she thought there was no use in saying anything more till the pigeon had finished. So it wasn't trouble enough hatching the eggs, said the pigeon, but it must be on. The lookout for serpents day and night. Why, I haven't had a wink of sleep these three weeks. Oh, man. I'm very sorry you've been annoyed, said Alice, who was beginning to see its meaning. And just as I'd taken the highest tree in the wood, continued the pigeon, raising its voice to a shriek, just as I was thinking I should be free of them at last, they must uh, needs come wriggling down from the sky. A serpent! But I'm not a serpent, I tell you. Said Alice, I'm a, I'm a, well, what are you? Said the pigeon. I can see you're trying to invent something. I'm a little girl. Said Alice rather doubtfully as she remembered the number of changes she had gone throughout the day. A likely story indeed, said the pigeon in a tone of deepest contempt. I've seen a little girl, good little girl, many a time, but never one with such an egg. No, no, you're a serpent. There's no use denying it. Suppose you're telling me that next that you'll never taste an egg. I have to taste an egg, certainly. Said Alice, who was a very truthful child, like an idiot. But little girls eat eggs quite as much as serpents do, you know. I don't believe it, said the pigeon. But if they do, then what? Why then? Why then? They're a kind of serpent. That's all I can say. Oh, okay, I see what I see what you're striving for there. So sleepy. I just want to curl up and take a nap. I mean, I'm only a couple of hours from just being away from going to bed, so. That's nice. Uh, there was such a new idea as to Alice that she was quite silent for a minute or two, which gave the pigeon an opportunity to, uh, of adding, You're looking for eggs, I know that well enough. And what does it matter to me whether you're a little girl or a serpent? It matters a great deal to me, said Alice hastily, but I'm not looking for eggs as it happens. And if I was, she want yours. I don't like them raw. Well, be off then, said the pigeon in a sulky tone as it settled down again into its nest. Alice scratched down among the trees as well as she could. Her neck kept getting entangled among the branches, and every now and then she had to stop and untwist it. After a while, she remembered that she still held the pieces of mushrooms in her hand, and set to work very carefully, nibbling the first um, at one and then at the other, and growing sometimes taller and growing sometimes shorter, till she had succeeded in bringing herself down to her usual height. It was so long since she had anything near the right size that it felt quite strange at first, but she got used to it a few minutes later and began talking to herself as usual. Okay. Come, there's half my plan done. How puzzling these changes are. I'm never sure when we're going to be from one minute to another. However, I've got back to the right size. The next thing to do is to get to that beautiful god. How is it that, um, how is that to be done, I wonder? As she said that she came suddenly upon an open place with a little house in it about four feet five. Whoever lives there, thought Alice, it'll never do to come upon, um, them this size. Why should I frighten them out of their wits? So she began nibbling at her right hand a bit again and did not venture to go near the house till she had brought herself down to nine inches high. So you were the proper height, saw a tiny house and decided, yeah, fuck it, time to shrink it up again. Well, I have reached the end of the road. Um, Colonel Creek Campground is where W20 is closed. And even though I looked at the map before I set out, it turns out that the road closure is just west of my final destination of the Diablo Lake viewpoint. So unfortunately, I could not make it to the viewpoint. However, I was able to physically stand on the lake because uh, as you drive towards the viewpoint, you actually drive past Diablo Dam, and I've never driven across a dam, but now I have, um, and I did get to see the lake. So, mission accomplished.
I did what I set out to do. I saw Diablo Lake. I did not see it from the viewpoint. Technically, I could still hike to the viewpoint if I really wanted to. I have no idea how long of a hike it is. Unfortunately, I'd have to walk along the road, um, and it could be a minute. Um, I have no idea if it's like five miles. Pretty sure it's about three miles because the viewpoint is at milepost like 133 and the road closures at mile point 131. So it'd be a four mile round trip hike along the road to this viewpoint. And it's about noon right now, which means I've got about another two and a half hours before I get home if I leave like right now. So I think I'm going to call it there. I did see the lake. I've got lots of great pictures of it, but unfortunately I did not get to go to the viewpoint. So it looks like I'm going to have to set another trip out uh, this way, which is a little frustrating. I'm like, I'm four miles away from it. Took me two hours to get here. You know what? You know what? Mm, kind of want to do it. I don't know. I've only had a coin or a D20 here. Shit. Kind of want to do it. I'm so close. I'm so tantalizingly close. Uh, I'm not even sure if they'll let me walk the closed road, to be honest with you. Um, I have to go back to fucking Thunder Knob Trailhead, because that's what the mountain is called. It's called Thunder Knob. God damn, these mountain names are funny. Um, God, I don't know. I've made it this far. Do I really want to go back without achieving my goal? I'm going to say no. I'm going to try it. I'm going to turn around and see if I can find a, a decent parking spot and walk to the viewpoint. Let's, t let's, let's see how this goes. After chapter six, Pagan Pepper. For a minute or two, she stood looking at the house and wondering what to do next when suddenly a footman in livery sure, came running out of the wood. She considered him to be a footman because he was in livery. Otherwise, judging by his face only, she would have called him a fish. Okay. I rapped loudly at the door with his knuckles. There's a door. Stood looking at the house. Oh, the tiny house. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, God, I'm more confused about this book than the book is confused about itself. It was owned by another footman in livery with a round face and large eyes like a frog. Both footmen, Alice noticed, had powdered hair that curled all over their heads. She felt very curious to know what it was all about and crept a little way out of the wood to listen. The fish footman began producing... It looks like a rabbit in this thing, in this drawing. I guess it's a fish. I guess. Yeah, okay, I kind of see it. Um, the fish footman began producing from under his army gray letter, nearly as large as himself, and then handed it over to the other, saying in a solemn tone, for the Duchess, an invitation from the Queen to play croquet. The frog footman repeated in the same solemn tone, only changing the order of the words a little, from the Queen, an invitation from the Duchess to play croquet. They both bowed low, and their curls got entangled together. Alice laughed so much at this that she had run back into the woods for fear of them hearing her. Uh, and when she next peeped out, the fish footman was gone, and the other was sitting on the ground near the door, staring stupidly up into the sky. Alice went timidly up to the door and knocked. There's no sort of use in knocking, said the first footman. And that's for two reasons. First, because I'm on the same side of the door as you are. And secondly, because they're making such noise inside, no one can possibly hear you. And certainly there was a most extraordinary noise going on within. A constant howling and sneezing, and every now and then a great crash as if a dish or kettle had been broken in pieces. Please then, said Alice, how am I to get in? There might be some sense in your knocking, the footman went on without attending to her. If we had the door between us, for instance, if you were inside, you might knock and I could let you out, you know. He was looking up into the sky all the time he was speaking, and this Alice decide, thought decidedly uh, uncivil. But perhaps he can't help it, she said to herself. His eyes are so very nearly at the top of his head, but at any rate, he might answer questions. How might I get in, she repeated aloud. I shall sit here, the footman remarked, till tomorrow. At this moment, the door of the house opened, and a large plate came skimming straight out at the footman's head. It just grazed his nose and broke in pieces against one of the trees behind him. Or the next day, maybe. So the footman continued in the same tone, exactly as if nothing had happened. How am I to get in? Asked Alice again in a louder tone. Are you um, to get in at all? Said the footman. That's the first question, you know. It was no doubt. Only Alice did not like to be told so. 
It's really dreadful, she muttered to herself, the way all these creatures argue. It's enough to drive one crazy. The footman seemed to uh, think this a good opportunity for repeating his remark with variations. I shall sit here, he said, on and off for days and days. But what am I to do? said Alice. Anything you like, said the footman, and began whistling. There's no use talking to him, said Alice desperately. He's perfectly idiotic. And then she opened the door and went in. This book's frustrating me. Ugh, this book's frustrating me. I don't get the point of it. It doesn't... Alice just seems to be a little bit of a bitch, just kind of wandering around and being like, Pay attention to me! Well, I've got my own shit to worry about. Well, fuck you then! I don't... I don't understand the purpose of this book. I don't remember the movie. Is it a... Is it a coming-of-age story? Is it just a loose collection of random bullshit? It might just be a loose collection of random bullshit. Because that's what it's reading like. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Uh. Alright. The door led right into a large kitchen, which was full of smoke from one end to the other. The Duchess was sitting on a three-legged stool in the middle, nursing a baby. The cook was leaning over the fire, stirring a large cauldron, which seemed to be full of soup. There's certainly too much pepper in that soup, Alice said to herself, as well as she could for sneezing. Oh, okay, I got you. I guess what okay, I got you. There was certainly too much of it in the air. Even the Duchess sneezed occasionally. As for the baby, it was sneezing and howling alternatively without a moment's pause. The only two creatures in the kitchen that did not sneeze were the cook and a large cat which was sitting on the hearth and grinning from ear to ear. Ooh, I wonder what that is. I bet it's Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Please, would you tell me? Asked Alice, uh, a little timidly, for she was not quite sure whether it was good manners for her to speak first. Why your cat grins like that? Um, I'm going to give the Duchess McGonagall's voice. All right. Potter! It is a treasure cat, said the Duchess. And that's why, pig! She said the last word with sudden violence as Alice quite jumped. But she saw in another moment that it was addressed to the baby, and not to her. So she took courage and went on again. I didn't know that Cheshire cats always grinned. In fact, I didn't know that any cats could grin. They all can, said the Duchess. And most of them do. I don't know of any that do, Alice said very politely, feeling quite pleased to have gotten into the conversation. You don't know much, said the Duchess, and that is a fact. Alice did not like at all, um, did not at all like this tone of the remark, and thought it would be as well to introduce some other subject of conversation. While she was trying to fix on one, the cook took the cauldron off the soup of the fire, and at once set to work throwing everything within her reach at the Duchess and the baby. The fire irons came first, and then followed a shower of saucepans, plates, and dishes. The Duchess took no notice of them, even when they hit her, and the baby was howling so much already that it was quite impossible to say whether the blows hurt or not. Oh, please mind what you're doing, cried Alice, jumping up and down in agony of terror. Oh, there goes his precious nose, um, as an unusually large saucepan flew close by it and barely neatly cut it off. If everyone minded their own business, said the Duchess in a hoarse growl, the world will go around a deal faster than it does, which would not be an advantage, said Alice, who felt very glad to get an opportunity of showing off a little of her knowledge. Just think of, of what work it would make with the day and night. You see, the earth takes 24 hours to turn around its axis. Talking of axes, said the Duchess, chop off her head. Alice glanced rather anxiously at the cook to see if it, uh, she meant to take the hint. Uh, but the cook was busily stirring the stew and seemed not to be listening, so she went on again. 24 hours, I think, was it 12? I, oh, don't bother me, said the Duchess. I can never buy figures. And with that, she began nursing the child again, singing a sort of lullaby to it as she did so, and giving it a violent shake at the end of every line. Jesus Christ. All right. Speak roughly to your little boy. Shake, shake, shake. And beat him when he sneezes. He only does it to annoy because he knows it teases. Chorus. In which the cook and the baby joined. Wow, wow, wow. Gotcha. While the Duchess sang the second verse of the song, she kept tossing the baby violently up and down. The poor little thing howled so that Alice could hardly hear the words. I speak severely to my boy and beat him when he sneezes, for he can thoroughly enjoy the pepper when he pleases. Chorus. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Here, you may nurse it a bit if you like, said the Duchess Towers, flinging the baby at her as she spoke. I must go and get ready to play croquette with the queen. And she hurried up out of the room. The cook threw a frying pan after her as she went, but it just missed her. Alice caught the baby with some difficulty as it was a queer-shaped little creature and held its arm out and held out its arms and legs in all directions. Just like a starfish, thought Alice. Poor little thing was snorting like a steam engine when she caught it and kept doubling itself up and stranding itself out again, so that altogether for the first minute or two, it was as much as she could do to hold it. As soon as she had made out the proper way of nursing it, 
which was to twist it up into a sort of knot and then keep a tight hold of its right ear and left foot so as to prevent it undoing itself. She carried it out into the open air. If I don't take this child away with me, thought Alice, they'll sure to kill it in a day or two. Wouldn't it be murder to leave it behind? She said, is she, how old is Alice? Is she actually nursing this child? That doesn't sound right. I don't think that's, I don't think that's how any of that shit works. Um, I could be wrong, but, um, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that's not, nope. Anyway, uh, she said the last word two, last two words out loud, and the little thing grunted in reply. It had left off sneezing by this time. Don't grunt, said Alice. That's not at all the proper way of expressing yourself. The baby grunted again, and Alice looked very anxiously into its face to see what was the matter with it. There could be no doubt that it had a very turned up nose. Much more like a snout than a real nose. Also, its eyes were extremely small for a baby. Altogether, Alice did not like the th look of the thing at all. Perhaps, but perhaps it was only sobbing, she thought. And uh, looked into its eyes again to see if there were any tears. No, there were no tears. If you're going to turn into a pig, my dear, Alice said seriously, I'll have nothing more to do with you. Mind now. The poor little thing sobbed again, or grunted. It was impossible to say which. And this went on for some time, and, um, and then went on for some time while in silence. Alice was just beginning to think to herself, Now what am I to do with this creature when I get home? When it grunted again so violently as she looked down into its face with some alarm. This time there could be no stake about it. It was neither more nor less than a pig. She felt that it would be quite absurd for her to carry it any further. So she set the little creature down and felt quite relieved to see it trot away quietly into the wood. If it had grown up, she said to herself, it would have made a dreadfully ugly child. But it makes a rather handsome pig, I think. And she began to think over other children she knew who might do very well as pigs. And was just saying to herself, if only, if only knew the right way to change them. When she was seeing a little start, when she was a little startled by seeing the Cheshire cat sitting on a bow of a tree a few yards off. The cat only grinned when it saw Alice. It looked good-natured, uh, she thought, and still it had very long claws and a great many teeth, so she felt it ought to be treated with respect. Cheshire Puss, Cheshire Puss, Puss, fuck. Cheshire Puss, that's what she's saying. She began, rather timidly, as she did not know at all whether it would like the name, however, it only grinned a little wider. Come, it, come, it's pleased so far. Okay, come, it's pleased so, oh, gotcha. I can see what she's saying. Come, it's pleased so far, thought Alice, and she went on. Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to walk from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you walk, said the cat. So long as I get somewhere, Alice added as an explanation. Oh, you're sure to do that, said the cat. If only you walk long enough. Alice felt that this could not be denied. So she tried another question. What sort of people live about here? In that direction, the cat said, waving its right paw around, lives a hatter. And in that direction, waving the other paw, lives a March hare. Visit either you like. They're both mad. But I don't want to go among mad people, Alice remarked. Oh, you can't help that, said the cat. We're all mad here. I'm mad. You're mad. How do you know I'm mad, said Alice. You must be, said the cat, or you wouldn't have come here. Alice didn't think that proved it at all. However, she wanted. How do you know that you're mad? To begin with, said the cat, a dog's not mad. You'll grant that? I suppose so, said Alice. Well then, the cat went on, you see a dog growls when it's angry and wags its tail when it's pleased. Now I growl when I'm pleased and wag my tail when I'm angry. Therefore, I'm mad. I call it purring, not growling, said Alice. Call it what you like, said the cat. Do you play croquette with the queen today? I should like it very much, said Alice, but I haven't been invited yet. You'll see me there, said the cat, and vanished. I was not much surprised at this. She was getting used to queer things happening. While she was looking at the place where it had been, it suddenly appeared again. By the by, what became of the baby, said the cat. I nearly forgot to ask. It turned into a pig. Alice answered very quietly, just as if the cat had come back in the natural way. I thought it would, said the cat, and it vanished again. Alice waited a little, half expecting to see it again, but it did not appear, and after a minute or two, she walked in the direction in which the March Hare was said to live. I've seen Hatters before, she said to herself. March Hare will be much more interesting. Perhaps, as this is May, it won't be raving mad. At least not so much as it is in March. She said uh, this, and she looked up, and there was the cat again, sitting on the branch of a tree. Did you say pig? Or Pig, said the cat. I said pig, replied Alice. I wish you wouldn't keep appearing and vanishing so suddenly. You make one quite giddy. 
All right, said the cat. This time it vanished quite slowly, beginning with the end of its tail and ending with its grin, which remained some time after the rest of it had gone. Well, I've often seen a cat without a grin, thought Alice, but a grin without a cat? It is the most curious thing I ever saw in all my life. That'd be fucking terrifying. Anyway. She had not gone much further before she came inside of uh, the house of the March Hare. She thought it must be the right house because the chimneys were shaped like ears and the roof thatched with fur. It was so large a house that she did not like to go nearer till she had nibbled some more of the left-hand bit of mushroom and raised herself to about two feet high, even then when she walked up to the rather, uh, walked up towards it, uh, rather timidly saying to herself, suppose it should be raving mad after all. Almost wish I'd gone to see the hatter instead. Almost wish, hmm? <laughs> Almost, you say? Well, perhaps, given that the next chapter is called A Mad Tea Party, you'll do that anyway. I went back, like I said I was going to, and I'm about a mile and a quarter into the actual, in reality, six mile round trip hike to the Diablo-like Vista Point. Apparently there is a overlook coming up here pretty soon. I don't think that's what I'm looking for, but maybe it is, who knows. There are many rocks all over the surface of the road. You basically pass underneath the mountainside on your way up to this place. And that's why it's closed, because of the potential of rock slides. I brought water. I should have brought food, but I'll be back to the car here in like, I don't know, 30 minutes. You be my guess. It's 12.17 now. Probably started the hike around 12. But, uh, yeah, it's gorgeous, it's cold, it's very cold. Um, there's a couple other people making the trek uh, a bit back behind me, so good for them. But uh, wishing I had like a skateboard or something so I could just roll back down this hill. Oh well, I'll get there eventually. days ago one of my all-time favorite games got a remake on the nintendo switch system and that is pokemon mystery dungeon rescue team dx which is a remake of pokemon blue mystery dungeon uh or rescue whatever the fuck it was called and pokemon red rescue mystery dungeon team on the game boy advance and the ds both of which came out i think in like 2006 so it's been like 14 13 years um since those games came out and I love that game. That game's great. The remake is pretty good, too. Um, I enjoyed the fact that they left the quiz in when you pick your Pokemon. I got the exact same Pokemon um, that I got the very first time I ever played the game, which was Charmander. And I thought that was pretty good. I'm like, yay for consistency. Um, even if the questions were different and more elaborate than they were the first time around. The art style is really good. I love this kind of like sketchbook watercolor effect thing they've got going on. Um, they've added a lot of nice changes to the game to make it um, a bit more non-bullshittery, I guess. Like, there's a lot of, like, instant teleportation-y thingies. Um, the load times in between, um, like, areas when you're walking around town is, like, lightning fast. You don't, you don't even have to wait, like, a second. It's just, like, blip, you're there, blip, you're there. So that's really good. Um, I really love the font and stylizing of the title cards when you go to a new floor or enter a new dungeon it reminds me of like um like an old school like disney short would start up and it'd be like here's your title card it looks like that that's what it looks like so that that's really good i loved the soundtrack for this game and it's the same soundtrack um just a little bit more updated i guess so that's wonderful and as of right now it seems to be following pretty much the exact same plot of the game i remember uh from years and years ago i think there are more bosses in this um in this game though like i'm looking at the the if you save the game and continue the game you basically have like a fucking hit list of all the bosses you've defeated and i swear there are like twice as many bosses in this game than there were in the original game i could be wrong and misremembering things and stuff like that but i just beat the first bot um sky Marky, scar scar the steel bird one i can't remember 
Um, what is what his name is? Uh, this is the fucking sleepiest episode of the podcast I have ever done. Um, I'm so goddamn tired. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really good and it's really fun and I would highly recommend it if you if you've never played a mystery dungeon game. This one is the first one and probably in my opinion the best one. So if you if you never touched it and you have a switch, this game is absolutely worth getting. Um, I I cannot recommend it enough. And I'm just going to go play it for a couple of hours because that's pretty much what I want to do. So I will see you all in the next bit of the podcast. And with that, made it. It's only about 30 minutes from the road closure point. Um, uphill, so I guess it's an hour round trip. Um, but it is absolutely worth the trip it is staggering up here you can see like six fairly significant mountain peaks we're talking about like seven eight thousand feet tall there's this gorgeous lake in front of me everything's snow-capped it is just unreal absolutely unreal i wish the bathrooms weren't closed uh because boy do i have to pee um but it is it is pretty fantastic up here which means I now have about three hours before I get home. But I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you very much for joining me on this adventure. If you want to see the pictures, check out my Instagram at goingcast on Instagram. And uh, you'll find all of the images uh, there. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Going Upcast. And I will see you all next week for another adventure. Have a good one, everyone.